My okay. father used to say that an expert is someone that gets it right 51% of the time. So <laughs> exactly. yeah, if you're getting it right more than half the time, you're an expert. Hi, I'm Darren Woolley, founder and CEO of Trinity P3 Marketing Management Consultancy, and welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media, and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. The advertising industry is often accused of being obsessed with the new, bedazzled by change. But what about longevity? What about the challenges of sustaining long-term business success? There is an agency brand that is often considered one of the most successful in the world. Founded in 1970 in London, it became known as the place where nothing is impossible. It also became the largest advertising agency in the world with offices around the world. But how do you maintain relevance, focus and success? Today, I'm sitting down with someone who's recently taken on that very challenge. Please welcome to Managing Marketing, the CEO of Saatchi and Saatchi Australia, Patrick Rowe. Welcome, Pat. Hello, Darren. Pleasure to be here. Look, the introduction, people might say, well, that, that seems a bit, but you have taken on a big job here. Saatchi and Saatchi is the type of agency that, for me, friends and family that don't work in advertising seem to know it as the advertising agency. Yeah, I think that's right. Look, it's a it's an absolute privilege to be leading Saatchi and Saatchi and you know, it is one of those agencies. I've worked in this business for a long time and a lot of the agencies I've worked in, if I tell friends and even my family who I work for, they're, you know, they're, they're, they've never heard of them. But Saatchi and Saatchi is not like that. Everybody's heard of Saatchi and Saatchi and Uber drivers and every, you know, everybody you talk to has heard of Saatchi and Saatchi. So it's a famous uh, agency brand and, and brand in general. It has high recognition everywhere, which is great. People talk about Saatchi and Saatchi, not just about the heyday in the late 20th century, but also today. You know, it's still relevant today as a brand and hasn't suffered from what's happened to a lot of great brands, particularly at WPP, being mashed together to somehow try and maintain relevance. Yeah, I think uh, that that comes down to consistency of work. I think it also... Um, comes down to the ability of the agency to evolve and keep up with uh, the times and particularly the needs of clients in how we uh, both think of ideas that are relevant for them and their customers, but importantly, how we how we bring them to life. Uh, that, that has changed since the 70s. Yeah. And the other thing that's changed, of course, is the media landscape that you're thinking and generating creative ideas and strategies into. Oh, it's changed so much. I mean, once upon a time, there were three or four uh, uh, channels, every campaign would have a TV ad, outdoor, radio and print, and that's pretty much it. But that's not the case now. You look at the the huge, this long list of assets that you're making as part of any campaign rollout and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hundreds. Yeah, literally hundreds and growing all the time. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. What is it that, can you distill what you think that, sort of essence of Saatchi as a brand is? What is or what the, what's the, the value that you've inherited here or, or chosen to take on? I think um, from one of the things I noticed from the minute I walked in the door is the focus on creativity and ideas. And I think it's, a, it's an agency 
that's very proud of our heritage in that space. Uh, and 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 we wear it like a badge, right? Everybody in the agency is wanting to. It feels it feels like we've inherited something important. We're part of something important, and we want to really make sure that the uh, our current work today is as relevant and successful and as impactful as as um, Saatchi was all those years ago. And there is a core methodology, isn't there, to creating ideas and creating strategies that doesn't change. But I imagine things do change, like there are things that would have to change just to be, maintain relevance. Oh, absolutely. I think um, uh, I, I often say to people that uh, when, when we're thinking of ideas, I, ideas have, have always been the lifeblood of creative agencies, but we have to look at our clients' business. We have to look at... Um, what's helping their business grow, how they're engaging with their clients, um, what um, what budgets they have, what channels are really working for them to build strong bonds with customers and drive business growth. And we need to make sure our ideas are relevant in doing that at those different touch points. And that, you know, that might have looked completely different 20 years ago than it does now, where all of a sudden we need to be conscious of TikTok, we need to be conscious of CRM and Salesforce. But uh, creativity has a role to play in all of those things, of course, and we just need to make sure that our, our thinking and ideas are as relevant to clients today, irrespective of the changes in channel as, as they were 20 years ago. It's interesting about being relevant to clients, but it also has to be relevant to the consumer as well. Totally, we 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 represent the consumer in many ways. You know, it's our it's our role with clients to say, you know, I, I know that's what you want to say to your customer, but they don't necessarily want to listen. So, how do we find a, a way for those two things to come together? How do we how do we take a a commercial objective and strategy? Uh, and wrap it up in a piece of entertainment that engages people and has them responding and uh, and and participating in that exchange. You know, obviously there's a, there's an exchange with with agencies where um, uh, in return for being entertained, a consumer will will lend us some of their memory and and some of their some of their attention. And uh, and we we can never forget that there is that exchange. It's it's an interesting concept because you know. Marketers will spend a lot of time, their life, working life, immersed in, the, in their business, in their brand, in the function of marketing. But the idea of appointing an agency to be the voice of the consumer is an interesting one because I can't think of many marketers that have said, I want to find the agency that best represents the voice of the consumer. They're usually asking about functional things like, mm. you know, has good strategy, has good, you know, they don't actually define that as the role. No. And yet it is, isn't it? It is. Uh, I think it is, yeah. And and uh, th that's why I think data today is particularly important. Now, you wouldn't typically think that data is relevant to a creative agency, but um, data to me is the new research, the new focus groups. It, it, it it gives a creative agency an understanding of behaviour, what a consumer is is consuming from a media standpoint, where they're going, what their behaviour is, how they react and how they respond, and what they're thinking and talking about with their peers, particularly when it comes to 
social media research and data. Um, and, and that helps a creative agency, right? Because it, it, it gives us an insight and understanding of customer and their behaviour. And, and that's, that's really important to what we do. I, I'd argue for many years, creative agencies lost that, you know, when media was separated from creative mm. agencies. Creative agencies were, were, were um, trying to create a picture of a customer without many resources at their disposal. You, you probably remember years ago the number of Vox Pops you'd see in a, in a new business presentation where an agency has gone to a train station to shoot people um, uh, expressing opinions. And, and, and that's because they, they struggled to have that understanding of, of, of customer. Um, data gives that to us today. And, and, it, it, and I've noticed a real shift in the last few years where uh, we are presenting to clients um, with insights and um, um, uh, behavioural characteristics of their customer that they didn't know. Mm-hmm. And that's really powerful and fresh and very much helps you with uh, idea generation yep. and, and campaign thinking. It's interesting you raise that because a lot of people think of data as purely informing media, but in actual fact the, the appropriate use of that data can actually paint incredibly detailed pictures of customers, can't it? Yeah, Their behaviours, their preferences, their choices. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, that's what we find, that it, it gives you a real sort of insight and understanding of that, of that customer's behaviour. You know, you, what they've purchased before, what they've purchased now and what they purchase after and what they do in between. Mm. And, and that, that, that's, um, and we, we've often said this uh, in the industry that, you know, that what people say is different to what they do. Uh, and, and, and that's why research has always been difficult, you know, because everybody will, will sit in a research group and say, oh, no, I, I don't listen to advertising. I'm not influenced by advertising, right? And we know that's not true. Of course they are, but no one will admit to it. What data does is give you the, um, the real behaviour. And, and, and it's, it's really powerful for that reason. Without them knowing Without that them you've knowing. actually got that. Because yeah. exactly. I have a science background. So right. when I got into advertising, I was shocked at how um, uh, data was used, particularly statistical analysis of data. I remember uh, the first time uh, concept testing was done and the researcher came back to uh, present the findings of this concept testing, which they did with a couple of uh, uh, focus groups. And uh, he was giving things like 72% of respondents, prefer, you know, presenting uh, qual, uh, quant as if it was, you know. Yeah, right, and, exactly. And, um, and they're going, sorry, what, what, how statistically significant is this? What's the population size compared to the sample? And everyone's like, what is he talking about? Yeah, you know? exactly right. Trinity P3. The, the interesting thing from my perspective, though, is that the landscape of agencies has also changed. I mean, you know, Saatchi and Saatchi is part of the publicist group, and that group has a lot of the specialist agencies here inside that. Does that also change the way that the agency defines itself? You know, do you... A lot, we see a lot of creative agencies trying to be everything to everyone by bolting things on. Or do you have to rethink that and sit much more comfortably inside the, the, the group where you've got colleagues that are adding those services if you need it? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I mean, um, it, it's wonderful to be part of a group where you've got 
really deep expertise and you're not pretending to be good at something like a lot of agencies are if i hire three people in e-commerce doesn't make me an e-commerce specialist right um, oh, i don't know i've seen many <laughs> stand there they haven't got one e-commerce person but they're an expert yeah, yeah. So, so knowing that we've got uh, uh, experts in Digitas that are that a whole you know, division, a whole division that are that are really good at that, gives you uh, confidence in talking to a client about what a solution might look like. Um, having said that, you, you need to be really clear about who does what and who's good at what. Mm. Uh, and um, it, it's it's very clear from a creative standpoint that. Uh, creative agencies within our group, and particularly Saatchi and Saatchi, that's our role, is that we represent the customer, we're uh, driving strategic brand thinking, and we're creating the idea. And that idea can cut across media, PR, activation, shopper marketing, or or uh, digital digital channels. Mm. Um, and, and, and that's the way we think. And we might need help occasionally in executing a big, a digital strategy from a tech standpoint or from a data standpoint, but but the idea um, is our role, and mm. and 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 that's where we play. Um, but to your point before, what clients need from creative agencies is changing and evolving. And you know, you know, if I if 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 we think about um, brand campaigns that once upon a time they were dominated by television and television is still an important medium for, for us. But at the same time, that that core idea has to be relevant in social media and has to be relevant in content. Um, and and th- that's our challenge. So, so yes, we play in, in digital, we play in social, um, but it doesn't mean to say that, uh, you know, if we need to build a big e-commerce site or or data platform for for CRM that we don't lean into the the experts within our group who can help with that. I'm just thinking that it's perhaps that shift because you know when an agency did the big brand campaign and everyone lined up, it was going to be this Sunday night, and there was a mm. roadblock across all of the networks, and you know it was like this launch, which you don't see as much these days, you no. know, because there's v- less emphasis on the big TV launch. But there's still the need for the big idea to mm. hold all of those channels together. Correct. I mean, there'd be no point having the best media planning and buying in the world if there wasn't something to actually run in there that's going to resonate with consumers. No, and I think um, the, the, the way you use TV has changed. And once upon a time, that, that's exactly how it used to be used, where we, it, it's the dominant medium. It, it drives all of your reach uh, and with few channels available you know it's going to be seen a little different now right because we've got such media fragmentation Hmm. but there's no guarantee that people will actually see it Uh, and so perhaps tv for for, um, a lot of clients and brands is used tactically and strategically to start a conversation and that conversation might then snake off into social media and content Hmm. but you use your tv as a as a compass point and a north star as to what we stand for, um, but but there's no expectation that you're going to get 
ninety percent reach at five plus frequency, like like you would have yeah, yeah. many many years ago. That that that's just impossible. You know, unless you're Harvey Norman, you know, there's a handful of clients who still have a With have big, a strategy, deep, big, big, big deep deep pockets, pockets, and they're yeah. there every every. Well, because their audience is virtually everyone that's got a buck to spend. You know? Yeah. They've got very broad audiences and and the resources to go after them. Yeah, but it's also interesting because you know thinking about all the channels, how dominant video or film mm. or te- you know what used to be television, creative agencies were known for making the film, mm. right? And yet you think of TikTok. You know, um, most of the most of the social media platforms seem to prefer video. Mm-hmm. Um, YouTube is one of the biggest uh, sources of watching entertainment and there's ads all through that. It's interesting how of all of the traditional formats that agencies produced and everyone goes, oh, they only ever think about television. Well, it's still video, the moving picture, because you've got pictures and and sound and words, is still a dominant communication format, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but... um how it's consumed changes. So uh, you think of the expense and time and effort that goes into making a big brand 60-second commercial, you know, for, for a car company, for example, or a, a big electronics firm or phone company. It might be millions of dollars. Um, and um, you, you need you need the media investment to justify, justify that. Uh, if, you, if you go off into a lot of social media and content, um, it's disposable. It doesn't last that long. Uh, and so uh, you're not going to invest the same amount of money for something that might exist in market and be relevant for four weeks and then it needs to be replaced with something else and, and so on and so forth. So, so so while it's moving and has pictures and sound, the way it's consumed is different and the uh, role it plays for a client in their media mix changes. And the, and the idea is to get those, those two things working together. You know, So how can we have a... A permanent message from a brand standpoint that justifies that that investment, but we can refresh that and keep it relevant through content on a regular basis. Trinity P three. So, Pat, does that also mean that how it's created needs to adapt as well? Yeah, it does. It does. I, 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 if I look at a lot of the shoots we conduct. For clients, once upon a time, it was all about making the 30-second commercial or the 60-second commercial. Now the request for most shoots is while we're doing that, can we capture content? Yeah. Can we capture the talent doing something? Can we capture these other moments that that give life to a campaign in other channels and can keep it fresh and relevant? And it's a challenge, right, because yeah. the industry is not geared around doing that. Um, what used to be called shoot the shit out of it while you were there. Exactly yeah, right. Literally, yeah. and, and then we'll yeah. do something with the content and remember, and remember going to a director and you say, we've got a stills photographer on this shoot. They're oh, no, try, oh, oh, my oh, God, oh, no. no. Disaster. Exactly. Disaster. But it, That's it's commonplace true. now. So, so yeah, in 2005, we because we've always worked on an output or deliverable model when we're looking at um, work scope for agencies, in 2005, the average brand was producing around 250 pieces of work a year. In 2019, just before um, the pandemic, that was over 3,000 pieces. 
because of social media. Right. Now, when you get an exponential increase from 200 to 3,000 plus, it means that something has to adapt because, you know, that approach, back when you were talking about the big brand campaign, a lot of time and effort went into producing that 30, 45, 60, 10 second cut downs and, and the like. But now I need lots of versions of that. It doesn't scale, does it? Particularly no. when a client's budget has not exponentially increased for production. Yeah, the the, the scale changes completely, right? Because you're doing lots of little things more often rather than one than one big thing. Um, and that's probably the biggest impact that um, channel evolution has had over the last couple of years is on the um, production focus for agencies and, and groups, that we are seeing a big shift in production. There's a lot of smaller production companies and some of the bigger holding companies creating um, production-specific divisions, right, at, because the, the requirement is to be better at um, uh, fast turnaround content uh, that doesn't have a, a cast of 25 people um, at a shoot. It doesn't make commercial sense. So so how, how can you be faster? How can you be more relevant? Uh, and how can you um, meet the needs of a social media um, yeah. um, schedule, content schedule for, for a client? The, the thing it doesn't negate, though, is the need for the big idea, that Correct. sort of universal, unifying strategy and platform that allows that every piece of communication builds on the previous one. Mm. I, I worry sometimes because, you know, they, pe uh, people talk about uh, influencer-created content. You know, you can give them a brief, but if everyone's running off and doing their own thing, are you actually building a brand or are you just creating a lot of branded content? Branded noise, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, my sense on that is that is that clients have a need to do both. Um, and I understand that there's activity you might put into social media that um, piggybacks off a bigger campaign that starts to build a brand, starts to talk about a business strategy and talks about uh, where a client might be going with their, with their brand or something that's particularly important. That's different to a Father's or Mother's Day post where they might want to celebrate something with their customer yeah right now an advertising agency a brief to an advertising agency for a mother's day social media post might not make sense right um, because it's so quick it's disposable it's got a 24-hour sh uh, shelf life um and, and it's more about relationship building with customer not 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 brand positioning and i think that's why you see a lot of social media brought in-house by clients because it gives them the flexibility to to um respond really quickly with that kind of content my argument has always been that i don't i don't i'm not fussed about who puts the post up but certainly when it comes to communicating uh, a brand at, in social media that's the role of of us as the brand agency um so i don't you know it, it creates this world where we are much more comfortable working with other partners, be they production partners, be they in-house in social media or even in-house production, uh, that clients are starting to build so they can respond on that day, daily basis in social media and for their content needs. But, but we really have a role to play in that. Uh, it might, might not be for every single post, but certainly what I would call those tentpole moments that really drive 
brand engagement and meaning mm. with customers. Uh, that, that, in my view, that's our role. It's also, you know, we're dealing with media savvy customers, consumers these days. So it's no longer just getting the collars and cuffs lined up, is it? You know, that consistency mm. of brand expression is more sophisticated than just making sure that the logo is always in the same spot or that the colour is, isn't it? You know? Yeah, I think that's the challenge, right? There's there's marketing and advertising theory and then there's the real world. And, and, and it's always been so. Um, I have three, It's not matching luggage uh, No, anymore. exactly. And I, I have uh, three daughters and I sit and watch television with them and uh, an ad comes on and they're staring down at their phone the entire time. They don't even look up. Mm. And and so this is this is real life behaviour, right? So uh, what they're consuming on their phone though is content. Yeah. Right. So so how, how do these worlds come together? How do you recognise the behaviour of different people in the media consumption um, uh, behaviours, and how do how do we adapt? And and that is our job. You know, that is our job to make sure that a, an idea can be brought to life in a way that reaches these people and invites them to. To entertain, I mean, to 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 engage. Um, you you look at um, was it the ocean spray that content piece from last year? Of that, do you remember that guy skateboarding down oh, the yes, highway, yes. Drink, drinking his thing of holding on to cranberry truck. juice? Yeah, yeah. It it sent sales through the roof for that particular brand, um, uh, and and that's an example of the power of that content if you can get it right. But it's probably not replicable. I don't think that was a moment in time by yeah, a, it's a one by off a guy. Peak. It's a one off. It's a one off peak. Yeah. And so then, how do you repeat that? What's the if, and if you try to repeat that, is there a strategy? How do you unlock what worked? How do you wrap that around an idea? And how do you activate that in different channels? And, that, and we can help with that. Trinity P three. I'm glad to see. Um, you know, there was a period probably in the last decade where, you know, everyone was talking about creating viral content, you know, and I, I just wonder sometimes how many billions of dollars was wasted trying to uh, crack the yeah. viral content because it, it seems to me that it happens because you get this uh, intersection of sort of culture, this uh, juxtaposition of culture and, mm. and, and opportunity that just seems to resonate with yeah. people. It can it can happen and... and um you need to be brave to do it, though, because the rules don't apply, and this is the this is the challenge for a lot of clients in making content. Is is that um, you know you you need you've always needed bravery and creativity, right, to create ideas, groundbreaking ideas, and uh, even more so in social. So you've inherited uh, with Sachi's nothing is impossible. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a great platform for exactly what you're talking about there? Yeah. It is because it challenges you to break the rules, to redefine a challenge, and to um, and to push the boat out in in how you might approach it and and how you might how you might solve it. Uh, it's it, it's a mantra that exists to this day within the agency. It's written up on our wall, and people people tell you that every day. Yeah, that nothing's impossible. We use it in all of our presentations. It's a, It'd be interesting. I mean, there's the there's the cynics, but. We'll, you know, we have to tolerate the cynics that go, oh, yeah, well, what about this? And, you know, of course, we'll say something that's impossible. But um, it's a good, it's also a great cultural, you know, uh, platform as well. 
I imagine, you know, one of the big issues that um, many agencies have, and I think many businesses have, is creating a culture that actually excites their staff and makes them, you know, want it, want to to work, want to go to work, and and yeah. nothing is impossible. Must be a an opportunity for attracting the sort of people that want to make the impossible happen. Well, it's an invitation to do things differently, right? And yeah. uh, and, and to work in a company that embraces that um, and and wants that. I think that's exactly right. And, and 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 attracting talent is a huge challenge for a lot of creative agencies these days. Um, advertising has always had a reputation of being a, a fantastic place to work, and 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 it still is. Uh, and increasingly, the focus is on the work and the output. Uh, and, and less so the parties, you know, as it was 20 years ago. But um, uh, most, most definitely uh, there's a real emphasis on out there creative thinking, you know, and we, we challenge people to do that daily. We don't mm. always get it right, but, gee, we do. We do a lot of great work. How would you, if, if you were sitting at the table here with a potential client, how what could you use as an example of the way on a day-to-day basis, that positioning, that promise actually comes to life? Nothing is impossible. Um, The way we frame that is to look at their business and um, try to identify the single biggest challenge holding them back. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what would catapult their brand or their business to unprecedented levels of growth. And, and one of the examples we use, it might be Toyota. How do they become uh, an icon of, a, of Australian culture, you know, an mm-hmm. imported brand? How do they, how do, they do that? Um, and so that, that, that's how we, where we start with, you know, what is from a client's percep- perspective, perspective what, yeah. what is their business challenge? What is their big opportunity? Uh, and once we identify that, then it's a matter of looking at creative ways to, to how solve that. How can you that. then make that happen? Yeah, that's right. How we look at how, how we make that mm. happen. And there's and there's multiple answers to that. You know, it's a combination of media. There might be a uh, a product issue. There might be, you know, there might be um, a need to really push um, things out creatively. But um, that's where we start. You mentioned Toyota because that's a long-term relationship isn't it? Now, uh, Toyota in Australia and Saatchi and Saatchi go back a long way. Decades, decades. Yeah. And so, you know, in in a world where uh, I think the last figures I saw was around three to four years was becoming the average client tenure with their agency, this, uh, I imagine the same sort of thinking of building a long-term agency brand is part of a long-term client-agency relationship, is it? I think it talks to consistency, right? It talks to um, consistency of output over a long period of time that works and delivers uh, a result for, for uh, any client. And, um, uh, and that helps you build trust and relationships. And I think that's what, that, that's what underpins the best agency client relationship is 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 trust and relationship and mm. and you know as i said before we, we don't always get it right in the pursuit oh. of trying something <clears throat> that's new and different and never been done um you'll bugger it up at, t- at times right? my father and, used to say that uh, an expert is someone that gets it right 51 percent of the time <laughs> yeah, so exactly. yeah if you're getting it uh, right more than half the time, you're an expert, according to my father. And that's and that's the that's the great thing, right? Is that you um, need that 
solid relationship and foundation that that you you agencies are empowered to to um to think creatively mm. um without without fear of being fired and i think that's when you see this constriction of of of, of thinking and and output you yeah, know when, when you've got the trust that creates a safe environment for people to push boundaries yeah absolutely because because i would say the other thing that those relationships need to nurture is curiosity and restlessness you know that often we talk about relationships being frictionless, but I actually think that it's the friction that causes the innovation. I agree with you completely. You know, I often um, say to our team and to clients that what what we do is a business of conflict, and um, and you know, because clients will sometimes be a little concerned that we're arguing over an idea. And I'm like, that's the magic. Mm. Uh, it's, the, it's that discussion about why it'll work and why not and how might we change it and, and people getting passionate about, about it. That's, that's what happens inside the walls of an agency mm. before a client even sees it. And, it. and it should happen with that client, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't be destructive it's a, it's a powerful positive thing, mm. I think. And, and again, best done when you know at the end of the day, like siblings, um, you know, you can agree to disagree and, and come to a solution and, and, it's, and it's forgotten about the next day. But I, I think that discussion is really powerful. It, it's the secret source to what we do. My favourite metaphor for that is the oyster. Without the grit that irritates the hell out of the oyster, you would never get pearls. It, Exactly right. And I like yet, it. I'll and, use that. Okay. And <laughs> and yet, you know, like people would say, well, it's irritating. Yeah, but you get pearls. Mm. That the end somehow justifies the means. Yeah. And having a client, to your point, that is, you know, has a level of trust that the yes, the process might be uncomfortable, but the end result is worth it. Well, knowing when to change it, you know, as well. Um, know, knowing when to take some risk. And uh, we were talking before about advertising and marketing theory. You know, I see a lot of um, a lot of uh, people in our business who who follow set rules of what they think a piece of communication should 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 do or be. Oh, the, a good the, formula. There's good nothing formula. like a good formula. But the best there? work's always broken. That right. Yeah. The best the no, best work right. just takes you to a completely Except new place. Except you need to know the formula. Before you can break it. Before you can break it. You, know, yeah. you don't just randomly go around breaking things. No, exactly. But sometimes what, what I find after many years working in this business, there's a lot of people on the client side and even internally within agencies that are empowered to say no but aren't empowered to say yes. Mm. Does that make sense? It's, it's oh, easy no. to give feedback <laughs> to an idea. <laughs> It's um, much easier saying no, no because there's no responsibility. There's no, no responsibility. That's as right. As soon as you say yes, you've taken on the responsibility. You've taken on the responsibility, and uh, and that's a rare commodity, mm. and and it does make people uncomfortable. They get anxious, fearful of if you know if if this doesn't work, what does it mean for me? And uh, I'm I'm always uh, um, proud of clients, particularly particularly young clients who who. Who can grasp that and mm. and still still go ahead and make a decision? So it sounds to me that you know the very things that made Saatchi in, in the early days as powerful as it was, 
you know, that culture of belief, self-belief and, and pushing the boundaries and breaking the patterns is still alive and well then. Yeah, absolutely. But how we... Interpret that as changing. Exactly right. So if you look at, um, I think, one of the one of the first ads that Saatchi and Saatchi um, were most famous for was the pregnant man mm -hmm. uh, ad in the UK. Um, today, that's probably a piece of content in social media shared throughout creating mm. a real discussion. So the, the idea is the same. Yeah. But how it activates across what channel and, and, and how we involve other people in that discussion uh, switches from, a, you know, a, a doctor's office on a poster to to social media, but um, the idea is the same. Uh, Patrick Rowe, we've run out of time, but it's been a fascinating conversation. Thank you. Thanks, Darren. Pleasure. Uh, a, a question I have for you, um, and that is, so what is the next impossible thing that you're going to do? Mm -hmm.